Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. Okay, so today's deal is very, very speculative, but I wanted to at least entertain the notion and explain why it may or may not make sense, and also talk about some other related deals that may actually be more likely. Here's the thing. What we know is Verizon CEO Lowell McAdam had a conversation with Liberty Media CEO Greg Maffei about Verizon's interest in acquiring Charter Communications. That's the second largest U.S. cable company. You may remember just this past May, Charter completed its $79 billion deal for Time Warner Cable. Liberty Media is Charter's largest shareholder, uh, and that would be why uh, the conversation took place between McAdam and Maffei. We'll get into why conversations have not taken place between Verizon and Charter in just a little bit. But as we reported on January 26th, Charter is just one of about a dozen acquisition targets Verizon has in mind, and Charter may or may not be number one on that list. Charter is a $100 billion company, so even if Verizon is considering Charter, it's worth exploring. Joining me are Bloomberg media reporter Jerry Smith, who covers the cable industry, and Bloomberg wireless reporter Scott Moritz, two friends of the podcast. Welcome back, guys. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Scott, maybe let's start with you. Uh, why would Verizon want to buy Charter? <laughs> well, Alex, let me back up a bit. Back to December. Um, Verizon hosted a uh, sell-side analyst day, kind of a cozy affair where some of the bigger analysts come in and talk to the, the brass at Verizon. Um, one of them was one of our podcast friends, Walt Pysik. And in a side conversation with Lowell, he said, hey, um, uh, would you be interested in a cable company like, let's say, Charter? And Lowell, you know, instead of saying what most executives say in that position, is like, oh, we, you know, we wouldn't ever comment on that. He said there is some industrial sense to that, which kind of set off this whole round of speculation, like why, why would, why would Pisic <laughs> say Charter, for one? And I asked Pisic that, and he said that uh, you know, Charter has been talking up Malone has been talking up, you know, the need for deals, consolidation in that in that space. <clears throat> so from that, you know, in December, you got to uh, January when uh, apparently there was a call made, um, as we reported, that uh, Lowell, you know, called uh, Maffei with regard to Charter. So, you know, I, we talked to our sources and we got the sense that the call to Charter was one of maybe a dozen or more uh, outreaches that these high-level folks are having because things have changed. And, and again, this goes back to a story we wrote about a month ago about, you know, with this new administration, everything is possible potentially. Right. And, of course, the, the most recent deal that might lead to Verizon thinking big is AT&T buying Time Warner. Jerry, is it fair to say that this would be a reaction to that deal, or is this actually sort of a counter-reaction? Because Charter is a cable infrastructure company, not a content media company. A combination between Verizon and Charter would be very different than AT&T, Time Warner. AT&T was buying content. Time Warner has HBO, Warner Brothers Studio, whereas Verizon would be buying a cable company. So they're looking more at just enhancing their distribution. And from Verizon's point of view, I mean, the wireless businesses stop growing so they need to find new ways to grow and charter 
you know, they already are experimenting with wireless. Uh, they have a MVNO agreement, as it's called, with uh, Verizon that they're going to, um, you know, start later this year where they're going to test a wireless service. Comcast is testing wireless service. So there's the cable industry, the wireless industry are increasingly um, becoming one. And I think especially what's interesting about the Verizon charter talk um, is that John Malone, who is a, um, you know, is on the board of charter and he's the guy who's, you know, very much a proponent of combining um, wireless, what's called a quad play, which is in Europe is, is especially popular where you've, you're selling not just internet and TV and, and landline phones, but you're also offering a fourth service, wireless service. Um, all on one bill. All on one bill. And, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, the cable in the cable industry, they call this making uh, the product stickier, which is basically the idea that if you suddenly now have four services tied to one company, you're less likely to leave. By the way, so uh, a little personal news. I just moved from New York City to Princeton last week. So I am now uh, a Comcast customer because Comcast is in the Princeton area. And something that I noticed was Comcast has Wi-Fi now all over the Princeton area. And they do this, I think, in a lot of their cities, not just Comcast, but a lot of the major cable companies. So I signed up for Comcast service. Uh, I have not actually got the products installed yet. So I have no broadband internet. I have no TV. But Comcast allows you to sort of set up a, a, a profile right away. So I have access to all their Wi-Fi. So I actually get a Wi-Fi signal in my apartment now. And for my purposes, I don't need anything else. I literally don't need a Comcast product in my house anymore because I have the Wi-Fi service. And I was thinking, if I combine my wireless with this, that's sort of all I need. So so maybe th th there is some sort of benefit because the cable companies for a long time have resisted this notion that there's any reason to own a wireless company. Now, they're going to try it, as you mentioned, Jerry, with this MVNO, where they're going to say, basically, is there some customer appetite for someone buying wireless through us? I have always been a skeptic like the other cable CEOs, but I'm actually maybe coming around to the idea that I could see a combined wireless cable service because they sort of offer the same product now. Is that fair, yeah. Scott? And, you know, increasingly we've seen mobiles taking over more of the uh, video share for, you know, time spent watching things. So it's, it's already kind of disrupting the, the cable model, if you think about it that way. So why not why not own it? Why not get a piece of it when you can? Right. I mean, there's also you know a lot of people in the cable industry are looking very closely at 5G, which is this advanced wireless service that, if you believe the people who are pushing it, this is going to be as fast and as reliable as the broadband connection in your home. So that could uh, pose a potential threat to the cable business. By the way, to push this narrative a little bit further, and Scott, you wanted to talk about the Super Bowl. I stream the Super Bowl from my computer again, so I don't even need TV in there. With you know the Wi-Fi you were with getting. With the Wi-Fi I was getting, and it was great. No buffering uh, or Until anything. Fox's signal crack, crapped out, and then I had to switch to Deportes, Fox Deportes, to watch the end of the game. <laughs> but I didn't care. I could, you know, I speak a little Spanish. I understood. Um, How were you with the outcome of that game? Uh, I was. Uh, Does so, everyone know that you're from Boston? I'm from Boston, but not a New England Patriots fan. Right. I'm not a Boston sports fan in general. Sheep. Uh, in addition to that, I a few years ago I went to like a family vacation uh, at a resort that happened to be owned in Montana that happened to be owned by Arthur Blank, and uh, there were several members of the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff that were there. Mike Smith, who was the head coach at the time, was there. Um, 
but they were also nice that like I've sort of became a, a, a quasi Atlanta Falcons fan. I'm a big 49ers fan. That's my that's my allegiance still uh, you know lies there. But I had more reason to root for the Falcons, so I wasn't thrilled with it. Yeah. But it was like a great game. I appreciate that. Actually, it was a lousy game until midway through the third quarter, and then it became a great game. Um, so yeah. Uh, congratulations, Scott. I know you know you have New England ties. Did you care about the? I mean, were you were you actively rooting for the I, I, Patriots? I, I, I was. I was heartbroken yes. up until the third quarter. Right. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that was a long aside. Um, look, there's a reason why Verizon has not talked to Charter yet, and that's because these these wireless spectrum auctions are still going on, where uh, companies in the wireless industry are they're they're putting in bids to buy uh, spectrum that is sort of either owned by the government or hived off by uh, broadcast uh, companies that uh, the spectrum used to be used for broadcast television. Now that broadcast television, by and large, uh, you know, doesn't exist. I mean, it still exists to some degree, but for the most part, broadcast has sort of become one and the same with cable, uh, and it's all gone digital. Now the spectrum can be repurposed for other uses. Anyways, Scott, do we know exactly when this the auctions end? We don't. We did see t- yesterday that... Uh... This gag order was lifted for some of the broadcast companies. So there is a sense that this thing is coming to an end. Our, our best guy on this person on this is Todd Shields, or F- FCC reporter in Washington. His guess is March. So that's so March is when we can expect these companies to start talking to each other, and that sort of spans the entire industry. So that's you know Verizon, Comcast, uh, Dish, T-Mobile, Sprint. So I think there's going to be a lot of M and A talk if not deals there it's been pent up since since may exactly so no one has been able to talk to each other since may and, and since then they everyone's thrown out their old playbooks because of this new presidency and then they've written up new like longer range broader you know m&a target pictures so if not charter for verizon who's your number one candidate for verizon for verizon you know it seems obvious although hugely and you know unaffordable but disney is like the model that you know at&t took when it went for time warner and these two companies these two phone, old phone companies have always kind of lo- worked in lockstep so it wouldn't shock me to see verizon so verizon is a 195 billion dollar market cap company disney is a 172 billion dollar enormous market cap company enormous so with a premium that would be the biggest deal of all time <laughs> uh if verizon did it. but to your point in a Trump administration, maybe. Right. Uh, is there? What, what do we think about Dish? Because Dish to me seems like an obvious candidate. They AT and T already bought Directv. Directv has one major competitor in the satellite industry, and this particular company, Dish, has been loading up billions and billions of dollars on wireless spectrum, which Verizon needs. Right. Do we have any indication that Verizon has switched their opinion? Because for years, Verizon said we don't want a satellite company Dish i don't care what at right. does it's the most ridiculously obvious choice they have everything that they that verizon needs maybe not the old satellite networks but that you still have all those uh you know programming agreements that you could bring to uh, you know over the top that verizon is trying to get going uh except publicly they've they've stated very much their interest in the spectrum the, the airwaves that dish has but not the old satellite business now that was the story you know up until the auction started we haven't heard much from them since but my sense on background is that you know, almost everything's on the table so i wouldn't be totally shocked dish just did a very small deal a swap of assets with its sister company echostar these companies used to be one company mm-hmm. and they split a few years ago where echostar actually sold dish 
its percentage of Sling TV that it owned. My thinking there, Jerry, would be, is it possible that the reason that this deal happened was that Verizon has seen what AT&T has with DirecTV now, um, and they feel like maybe there is something in it for us to have a competing product by owning Dish Sling and using that as our DirecTV now. Is that, does the logic make sense there? Potentially. I mean, I think Verizon had pretty high hopes that they had uh, with Go90, which was going to be their um, sort of solution. To Remind us what TV. Go90 is. Uh, <laughs> Go90 is is essentially, uh, it's, it's a lot like, a lot of people compare it to YouTube, except uh, as no not viewers. as popular, uh, I think is... Uh, maybe that's a bit unfair. <laughs> that's but, the tagline. But that's YouTube, but less popular. <laughs> I, I'm afraid that that's what some people are saying about it, and they're retooling um, Go90 right now. But yeah, I mean, that's I, I think it all. A lot of what we're talking about has a lot to do with just the fact that people are watching so much video on their phones now. I think if you're a cable company like uh, a Comcast or a Charter, you're thinking a lot about, you know, what? How can I? You know, my consumers, my my customers are watching a lot of a video on on the go, and, and you know, you spend maybe seventy, eighty percent of your time at work and at home. And when you're at work at home, you're connected to the Wi-Fi, and then there's maybe twenty thirty percent of your time you're on the go, and you know, then you're on the AT and T or the Verizon network, and you know, those companies have uh, data caps, and so there's. You know, there are limits to watching video on, on your phone, and but that's really where the future's going, and I think that's the underlying reason why AT&T uh, wanted t- Time Warner. I, I think that's the underlying reasoning behind potentially a lot of the deals that we're going to see in the next year. Comcast owns NBC. AT&T owns Time Warner. Scott, you pointed out that maybe Disney is a logical partner for Verizon if they're willing to spend that much money. We do have hints that Verizon might be interested in content because the recent deals they have done, which have been small deals, have been to buy AOL and Yahoo, which are ad tech companies to some degree, but also content companies, not infrastructure companies. Is there any sense from Verizon at this stage, Scott, whether or not they prefer content to infrastructure because they have stayed away from the bigger content play like Time Warner. Yeah, well, uh, by them reaching out to Charter suggests that infrastructure is part of their interests. Um, and uh, I know from background that they're interested in uh, fiber networks as well, which is, you know, it's either a, you know, a, a foothold or a, a foundation for 5G down the road when, you know, you need these really dense networks and it, they need to be backed up by fiber or it's just getting more connections to more homes directly which is not a wireless strategy at all but um, I, I do get the sense that uh, they are trying almost every angle on this to see what their future might be it does sound like that Verizon is in the market to make some sort of major deal this year you think that's fair I th- I definitely think a mega deal is in, in the works. It may, it might not happen, but I I definitely think they're sitting around talking about okay, what can we do? So the the underlying theme of all this is that if some mega deal is in the works, there must be some degree of confidence that regulators would allow this to go through. And yet, Donald Trump has been fairly 
uh, open with his stance that he does not like the AT&T Time Warner deal, and he wishes he could have ripped apart the Comcast NBC deal. Why are these companies so gung-ho that they can get through a deal like this? Is it purely because they feel like they have a strong legal argument so the politics don't matter, or do they not believe Trump? I think it's both. I think they... I think AT&T really believes that it has a legal argument for why Time Warner uh, deal should go through. And and that's they look at the Comcast NBC deal from a few years ago, which is similar. And the Justice Department approved that. So AT&T feels like that it has the law on its side. Why, if you approve the Comcast deal, why wouldn't you approve our uh, acquisition of Time Warner? I think Trump is the real wild card. I think you've already seen during the campaign, he said, absolutely not. I won't approve this deal in my administration. Just a week or so ago, he was quoted as saying, well, I, I don't have all the facts, uh, which some people sort of interpreted as him possibly backtracking a little bit. Um, I mean, we look at the person who was just appointed the FCC chairman, Ajit Pai. He's pretty widely considered to be um, you know, pro-business, and, and he's already started to sort of relax some regulations that were in place under Tom Wheeler. So I think that, you know, they're looking at the, at looking at that, they're looking at Washington as being much less of a roadblock now under Trump than it was uh, in the Obama year. So I think that's, you know, provoking some very creative uh, deal-making ideas. By the way, one thing we really should point out is that if Verizon were to buy Charter, from our reporting, Charter would want a price of at least $500 a share, if not more. <laughs> Charter tr- trades around $320 a share right now. I'm not even sure Verizon could theoretically do this deal because they'd have to get enough debt that uh, in order to finance a, a deal of that purchase, mm-hmm. they would be so levered at that point that I think it might be too extreme for the company. And usually when companies encounter that problem like that, they tend to say, okay, we'll take our stock instead. Right. We won't use cash. But I don't think John Malone and Greg Maffei want a whole bunch of Verizon stock. No. That's not usually their MO. They usually like to buy a big chunk and then sell for cash unless they're able to like get on the board of the company and sort of use that company as their new right. tool, which I suppose is possible that they could decide, well, let's just take over. Let's sort of do a merger here rather than an acquisition and like let's try to get on the board of Verizon and this new thing will be mm. our our mega company that we roll up other companies in that's possible i suppose but that also speaks to like Disney which is even bigger than Charter right. that would have to be structured as some sort of merger i think rather than right. a straight up acquisition well, i think most of us are rational people we look at the amount of debt that Verizon already has which is over 100 billion which is a lot right. of money. Right, because they bought, they recently bought back only a few years right. ago half of Verizon Wireless from Vodafone, and they took on an enormous amount of debt when they did that Huge. deal. Huge, and that, and so they would have to basically double the amount of debt they had, go up to two hundred billion, which sounds outlandish. Except AT and T did exactly that when it bought when it when it made its purchase offer for Time Warner. So the, it, it seems like the credit markets are kind of open to this. And I guess investors are open to it also, where they don't really care if the... I mean, would this... Verizon's, I would imagine, their bond credit rating would go to junk if they did this? <laughs> I don't think so. No, you don't think so? Well, if they're... Say it's Disney, Disney's got plenty of well, money that's coming true. in. I mean, it, it, it might even help them. That's true. The thing is, Charter, if it's Charter, is also really levered up. Hmm. So so in that case, it, actually, the even though Charter is a, a much smaller company than Disney... Uh, there may be some sort of difference in credit rating mm-hmm. because of that, because Charter already yeah. has so much debt. Scott Moritz, our Bloomberg wireless reporter, and Jerry Smith, our Bloomberg media reporter. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I assume I will have you both back on here 
uh, in the coming months because once the wireless spectrum auctions and it's going to be a complete free-for-all i think in both of these industries so that's it for this week's deal of the week i hope you enjoyed that feel free to rate and review the show on itunes please do that it helps more listeners come to the show also if you have any ideas for future guests or topics email me at a sherman six at bloomberg.net uh jerry where can people find you on twitter jerry f smith and scott it's maritz dispatch Ritz Dispatch, and I'm at Sherman4949. Our producer is Sarah Patterson. Alec McCabe is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. See you next week. Mm-hmm.